0: Welcome in to the Locked on Knicks podcast. Today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Scott Jason who covers basketball and other sports at the University of Kansas for a variety of outlets and three short years ago wrote a fantastic feature piece on Quentin Grimes. The full story how Quentin struggled at Kansas, ultimately figured things out, developed one of the world's best jump shots and turned into the New York Knicks we all know and love. All that right now on Locked on Knicks.
1: You are locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. He starts.
0: Within a five. going from the left. Yes. Hucks left. Now fires. And he's good. And he's fouled. He's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. We're Locked on Knicks and I wanted to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day we're now available on all platforms and you know this already if you see my shiny face on YouTube so go check us out on YouTube if you haven't already if you even if you don't want to watch us on YouTube if you enjoy the podcast and just want to help us out uh, throwing us a subscription makes a really substantial difference if you're already watching on YouTube get into the conversation throw in a comment or two And who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, getting back into it at the end of the month, covering some national powerhouses in the high school football scene over at Flow Sports. So certainly go and check that out. But more relevant to your listening ears, today I am going to be joined by Scott Chasen, who is the note in the teaser um is a writer and radio personality and tv personality covering kansas sports and three and a half years ago wrote this fantastic piece uh for 247 sports on Quentin grimes uh that piece is linked uh in the podcast description unless i forgot to do it but uh i'm assuming i won't so go check it out it is uh yeah just about as well of a written basketball article as you will find on the internet um and the whole story is pretty cool and most of it's in this podcast so i won't delay any longer let's get into it right now with scott all right guys as promised we are joined by scott chasen who does a fantastic job covering university of kansas sports in a variety of places also uh no one will care outside of us too but a fellow <laughs> alumni of valley of the suns the phoenix suns fan-sided blog where we made some magic when the suns were really really bad it, w- it would have been cool scott if we got to do it now uh well maybe not right now but like I don't know, five months ago, it would have been pretty cool.
1: Yeah, no, it would have been really fun. I mean, just to give people an idea of the kind of stuff we were covering. Um, I remember going out to an NBA, at the time, D-League, not G-League event, and running into Archie Goodwin, who was on my flight. And that was how I found out that Archie Goodwin was going to be playing at that uh, NBA D-League event, Um, and he had only found out just before. So, yeah, it was a very different time when Archie Goodwin was kind of the apple of the eye of Suns Twitter rather than, you know, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, maybe Kevin Durant and all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, hope, hope, hopefully, Kevin Durant, both for Knicks fans' sakes and Suns fans' sakes. But we will, we'll keep this, uh, we'll keep this Knicks centric, as as we probably rapidly lose viewers, um, because we are here to talk about Quentin Grimes, who uh, you rewound, uh, wow, a while ago, three and a half years ago, you wrote this fantastic feature on. I remember pulling it up uh, when the Knicks first drafted Grimes. And I was like, I kind of filed it away. I was like, boy, oh boy, I got to have Scott on the pot at some point to talk about this. This is just an incredible article that gives a lot of insight into Grimes as a person and also his struggles while he was at Kansas. Um, so I want to start here because when we talk about Quentin Grimes and we talk about his ceiling, we get into who he was as a high school player a lot. And the fact that there was this idea from some people, as you outlined in the article, oh, this might actually be the best player in the country as a freshman and the fact that he played a point guard role and he has this ball handling that we saw flashes of in the nba but it's yet to be totally unlocked he has this great finishing ability that you, you look at the stats he was he was an elite finisher um on very very few attempts but he was an elite finisher and, and and you get this this glorious idea as a Knicks fan wow this guy might be already is really good might be really really good down the road but scott you were there what was the hype like when he was coming into ku
1: Well, there was a lot of hype. And there's actually kind of a funny story about him emerging at Kansas. So before he made it to campus over the summer, he played at the FIBA Americas um, alongside a bunch of other all-star talent. Um, It's funny now looking back because that talent did not all translate, um, you know, going to college and then to the NBA, but like Matthew Hurt and Jeremiah Robinson Earl were kind of the big front court there. And it was kind of funny, Bill Self is coaching that team and he's recruiting Matthew Hurt and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And I would have to imagine he was hoping Matthew Hurt would really be, um, they had like an MVP award and, and that he would have won it, but it ended up going to Quentin Grimes, who was already coming to Kansas. And, you know, when Bill Self kind of talked about him leading into that season, he made it clear that he thought Quentin Grimes was a guy who should affect every possession on both ends. And I thought that kind of laid some interesting groundwork for his struggles getting to Kansas because he was kind of in an awkward role You know, maybe he could have been a a bigger point guard, but Kansas had a freshman point guard emerge, and um, it didn't seem like he was totally comfortable on the wing, and there were other guys who were better three-point shooters or better three-and-D kind of um, style wings. So he was just kind of in an awkward fit. But coming to Kansas, there was huge hype. Bill Self was really high on him, and um, when he had his first game and he scored like 20-something points against Michigan State in the Champions Classic, hit a bunch of threes, uh, Bill Self went as far as to say that he had heard that Quentin Grimes was a gamer, and he didn't really know what to think about that until he saw it. Um, trying to remember where that was. I don't think it was Madison Square Garden. I think that one was either Indianapolis or Chicago, one of those. But he had a huge game um, to kick off the season. And I think Bill Self was really hyped about it.
0: What was um, what was your feel for him as, as both a person, as a player, like both before he got to Kansas and as you started watching him, those first few couple of games? I was just, again, just going – through your article, um, there, you you had this John Rothstein quote in there, who maybe NBA fans don't know, but a fixture in the college basketball world, yeah. And he, and he tweeted out, um, before the season, one interesting thought for many college coaches this month Kansas freshman Quentin Grimes could wind up as the nation's best overall player in 2018 2019. Um, apparently, Bill Self compared him to uh Darren Williams, which is obviously mm-hmm. high stakes. Um, Jaren's Howard, a KU assistant, um, uh, to that point, called him the best player that he had ever recruited. Did you feel like the hype was out of control or, or when you first started watching him or, and you first started hearing about him as he came into KU, you were saying, oh, wow, this is justified. This guy is going to uh, take over college basketball.
1: Well, think about his path to KU, right? So I mentioned he wins MVP honors of this international tournament with elite, you know, five-star talent in multiple classes. Then he comes to Kansas. He has a 20-point breakout first game, gets Kansas past Michigan State. And in his second game has a double-double with assists, which for people who don't watch watch college, very common in the NBA, not super uh, common in the college games. A lot of times your point guard is going to average like three assists per game or four assists or something like that. And I mean, you can be a national level of the year level point guard averaging four assists per game. I mean, Frank Mason did just that. So um, it's, it's a different game and he showed control of it in two different ways with his shooting in one game and then you know, with the the passing ability and the ability to kind of dictate where the ball and where the offense is is running and going. So I think at that point, yeah, it felt like maybe Quentin Grimes is going to end up being Kansas's not best player because they had Dedrick Lawson, who was um, ended up being an All-American. He was absolutely terrific, a Memphis transfer, but that he would be the star freshman. You know, he showed up in the first round of mock drafts at that point. But um, as I'm guessing we'll talk about, there were some struggles after that point. I, I think Quentin Grimes was a kid. It was very apparent how much he cared um, from the second he got to Kansas. He was very conscientious, and I would say to a fault. And for the record, assistant coaches told me that, and and other people that um, he's a kid who really, really cares. He's really uh, maybe an overthinker at times. So it was it was kind of obvious that he really wanted to affect winning, and he really wanted to leave an impact on Kansas. And I think early on there was a ton of hype. Um, I think it proved to be hype that probably worked against him a little bit because it probably put a little bit too much pressure on him. But um, after the first two games, I think people were thinking, yeah, this is a lottery pick and he's going to be a one of them.
0: Yeah. So uh, you read my mind. I, I want to know what went into those struggles. Obviously you, you noted earlier that the fit was-, was certainly a factor, but I'm curious from a skill perspective, did you think anything was lacking there? Because I, I go through some of the numbers in your article and he went, um, I think it was five weeks without either like getting to the free throw line or, or getting, a, I, I don't think it was a layup. I think it was five weeks without getting to the free throw line. And he went seven games without a steal. And you watch Grimes in the NBA. Now, maybe this was a lesson learned from that time in Kansas, but – I found his ability, even when he was not a central figure on the Knicks offense, which he frankly never was during his rookie season, to still find a way to make an impact on offense, whether it was like spacing from super far out or defensively, just having magnets for hands, always seeming to find the basketball. What do you think was lacking there? Was it mostly
1: mental? I think the mental part was, it was a big part of it. Um, and I think once he started pressing and this happens, this is not a Quentin Grimes specific issue. I can't tell you the number of freshmen I've covered at Kansas who fell into this category, but once you start pressing um, it never, it never goes well, things spiral and things get worse. And you start wondering, you know, why am I not playing better? Why am I not doing what the coach wants? You start thinking more and more and you're not reacting and, and, you know, playing for Bill self is really hard um, too. Now, one thing he was never benched. Bill Self started him, I believe, in every game throughout the year, and that was important to Bill Self. I think in part because it was—I mean, it was probably a promise he made to him coming in—but also because he believed that for Kansas to reach its ceiling, and assistant coaches told me this as well, for Kansas to be as good as it could have been that year, which never ended up happening, um, they needed Quentin Grimes to play really well. Um, we talked about the role a little bit. I think he was kind of put into a bit of a three and D role, which at the time I don't think he was totally ready for. Um, I think his mind was still on creation and he wanted to make the right plays, but he wasn't the team's point guard. Devon Dotson, um, who's had kind of like a cup of coffee uh, in the NBA, he was the team's point guard. So Grimes kind of got not like frozen out, but you had another shooter on the wing in LaGerald Vick who started the year. I mean, he was hitting seven and eight threes in games. He was as hot as anyone in the country. Um, Ultimately ended up departing the team kind of midway in the season. And it. I don't think it was a coincidence that, you know, Quentin Grimes emergence came after that point. Again, when some of those shots, the ball kind of, um, it it was available more to him and, you know, it, it kind of came more naturally to him that he could make a mark on the game without having to really force the issue. Cause I don't know that he was totally comfortable forcing the issue, um, early on in this KU tenure. All right, guys, when we come back with Scott,
0: I want to get into how Quentin Grimes started turning things around at Kansas. And then eventually Houston, to become the player that he is today. But first, I gotta tell you how you could become the muscle bound hunk that you wanna to be today. There's only one way I know how to do it. It's eating a whole lot of built bars. If you haven't tried built bar puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor, ready, delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right, built. Has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk. Pumps have light and chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in a hundred percent real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Cookie dough. Puffs are only 100 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to Built.com to snag a box for you and your family. It will be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and hoard them all for yourself. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, provides tons of health benefits. You can eat something that tastes good and is ultimately good for you. You're going to love the new puff, whether it's a snack for your workout, a light late night treat, or you just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste even better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order using promo code LOCK15. What did you see from him as things turned around? And to be clear, I mean, you go through the end of his freshman season, your article uh, was written, I think, with about five or six games left in the regular season. Um, And he he finished pretty strong, double digit games in four of his final five games. What ultimately clicked and and maybe not for him to become a star, but for him Mm -hmm. to fit into that role and and be a contributor on a Kansas team that it didn't achieve its potential, but was still had a pretty strong finish.
1: And and Grimes, by the way, he did kind of take off from that point forward. He went to Houston. Obviously he was probably, if not the best, the second best player on the team that reached the final four. And then obviously he's been, you know, pretty remarkable. Um, he, he's not an NBA star, obviously, by any means. And Knicks fans know that. But I, he's a good young prospect that has, I think, a lot of potential. Um, it, it was gradual. I think there were games. I remember a game at TCU where all of a sudden his passing and his secondary creation kind of um, came on. And, and you, you know, you saw what it could be like when he had the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, there was a game against Oklahoma State in Stillwater Um which was actually the game after, um, you know, when I wrote that feature. And for any Knicks fans who look it up, it's like 4,000 words. So it is very long. Uh, feel free to skim um, and not read the whole thing because it is very long.
0: But it's Really um, good, too. It's really good. Well, I, people, I appreciate- people should I, – I read the whole thing. Again, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I, I'll, I'll link to it in, in the uh, podcast mm-hmm. description. But go ahead, Scott.
1: Yeah, well, that was his best game. Um, he scored 17 points, but he made winning defensive plays. And I think his defense was kind of a – College defense, similar to NBA defense. Very few rookies are good NBA defenders. Very few college freshmen are good defenders, especially when you're in a Bill Self system that can be really complex. Um, Bill Self holds defensive players to a really high standard. And a lot of times when... Uh, highly rated freshmen don't play a lot. It's because they are not up to that kind of defensive level. Um, He's had a number of teams that led the nation in field goal percentage defense. And I think a lot of his best teams have had that trait, but so that was a struggle for Grimes. And then he started to figure that out too. And then, you know, giving effort diving on the floor that came more natural to him than kind of the, I think there was a perceived casualness to his personality, but I don't think it was because he was casual again. Um I think sometimes he almost paralyzed himself by trying too hard or thinking too much about what am I supposed to do here? um rather than understanding that, hey, if he makes a mistake or does something wrong, you know, that's fine. And in fact, the coaches kind of want him to do that because they want him um playing aggressively. So it came gradually. certain things started to to figure themselves out. and, you know, everyone while I was doing that feature told me it wouldn't be the flip of a switch. They said it's not going to click in his mind and he's going to remember how to play. It's going to be one thing at a time and it's going to build and then he's going to feel comfortable and you're going to see it. And I think he ended up seeing the fruits of those labors at Houston. Um, but it was apparent at the end of the year that he was no longer what um, a former Kansas beat writer had called him like a parking brake, like, like playing with him in the game was like driving with a parking brake on. By the end of the season that wasn't the case um and he was integral to what they were doing and you know he was one of their best players maybe their second best player behind um dedrick lawson for just you know that sample at the end of the year
0: and I, I guess given that fact was it a shock that he left kansas and and what do you think went with that decision for him
1: i don't i i was not surprised i think i think most people weren't and i think it was fit related um he declared for the draft with devon dotson and with devon dotson coming back it was you know he was probably Grimes was going to end up in that same role, um, playing off a, a more less of a passing point guard. And so um, I think it made sense. I think Kansas would have liked him to stick around. I think there were there were rumblings from people outside of the program of, of influences or people telling him that he should transfer. And, um, you know, the sense I got, I, I interviewed both his parents in the story. At one point, his dad flat out asked me, hey, what do you think of the fit of, of Quentin at Kansas? Which you know, when you're in the middle of the season and a parent of a player is asking you that, um, that is is probably a little bit telling of just yeah. what they see. But I don't like I, I think there was some validity to that. Um, I think even though Grimes ended up kind of thriving in a three and D role and he's doing that a little bit for the Knicks now, um, I, I think it kind of took that change of scenery and kind of a complete reset and maybe different voices, um, maybe even coaching, um, you know, different coaching voices to kind of get him to take on that role and and to really flourish in it. And, you know, I, I think he still would have, you know, broken out had he stayed at Kansas. I think he was a a good player. I think the talent was apparent. And I think there were a lot of KU fans who were really frustrated with him because they saw the potential and he wasn't getting to it. But I I think you could see enough of it to know that there was a good player in there. Um, It was just a really frustrating year for him. It was a frustrating year for the team Um, and ultimately I I think the transfer ended up being the best thing, but once Devon Dotson was coming back to KU, it, 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 if you had told me that I would have said, yeah, my guess is if Grimes is coming back to college, he's going to transfer. And I think it ended up being the best decision for him. And it ended up working out fine for KU because they were the best team in the nation the next year.
0: Yeah. And you, you talk in the article, um, about a mean strength that he had, like the the first time he ever beat his dad and he would be down by 10 points and he would just rip off 14 in a row. And you, 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 you see moments like that with him in the NBA, like the, um, I think it was just post Christmas game where he hit seven threes. That was his breakout performance. Mm-hmm. I like guess essentially he didn't, he didn't really play before that. And then he came out of nowhere and was just, he had something like 24 points by the beginning of the third quarter. And he was just dead eyed, even keeled. Like the whole energy was, this is what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I, I was again, a top, whatever 10 guy in the country for a reason. But you contrast that with this guy that you like he ends up talking very quickly when he gets nervous. Mm-hmm. A, a trait that I can certainly relate to. Um <laughs> and and like has um like is like a very smart guy. And uh, sometimes that can negatively impact you on a basketball court when you're when you're not playing off of instinct and you're overthinking things. Um what do you See from him, maybe maybe there's even like some pride there. Someone now who's clearly so much more mature. To your point, went to Houston, thrived under Kelvin Sampson, by all accounts one of the toughest coaches in the country, and now on the sticks team, who I think is embracing a similar like ethos in their culture of like we're gonna win with toughness, we're gonna win with grit, and, and he, to me at least, is is the epitome of all that.
1: Yeah, it, it's been a development. And, you know, again, you you talk about how conscientious he is. Um, his dad told a story that really stuck with me. Um, I promise I haven't, like, reread my feature a hundred times. I just remember a lot of these stories because it was yeah. pretty memorable going through it. Um, where... I can't remember, but I think Quentin was close to like 50 points in the game, 50 or 60 points. And the crowd was like cheering him on to get to it. And he had a breakaway where he could have just went and dunked it. And instead he handed the ball off to someone else who hadn't scored. And that, that guy got a bucket and his dad was telling me that was when Quentin, he knew Quentin got it. um, And that, you know, he was more concerned about setting everyone else up. And I think that really showed in his personality again, almost to a fault a little bit where he didn't want to be the guy who was quite being that aggressor. But I think he's been molded playing for, you know, Bill's else a hard coach to play for. Kelvin Sampson is a hard coach to play for. And, oh, by the way, you get to the NBA and you get tips. Like, yeah. that, <laughs> it doesn't get easier on that path. Um, there's no, like, Jay Wright in there or, um, uh, you know, just whoever the coach that's just going to let you, like, hey, all vibes. We're going to figure this thing out. Like, no, he's had some really hard coaches to play for. And I think that's probably allowed him to kind of toughen up a little bit and and kind of shaped the um, maybe the aggressiveness he plays with, but especially defensively. Like it's made him more of a scrapper and it's made him lose kind of that casual nature. Um, You know, two players I'll give examples of, one of which NBA fans will know, one of which they won't. Um, Andrew Wiggins was one who, when he came to Kansas, the thing about him was he just looks so casual and bill self just wanted him to be an assassin and a killer. Um, Josh Jackson also, you know, followed Andrew Wiggins and he was that he was like Andrew son's, Wiggins son's
0: but, legend, Josh Jackson. I should yes, ask.
1: of course. And, um, who knows, maybe he's got a more sense around the week to go, but he was like Andrew Wiggins except whereas Andrew Wiggins would do make the same plays and just look casual. Josh Jackson is screaming and diving on the floor and, and playing crazy. The, the second player that, um, knicks fans and nba fans won't know maybe yet is tristan and aruna another guy who came to kansas and just immediately looks so casual and it's like he would make a mistake and it's like does he even care and and obviously he does but it's just that casual nature and i think grimes had to lose that um it's funny to me now that watching him on the defensive end just because of remembering where he was to start the year at kansas and being like yeah he wasn't assertive like that he Again, I don't think he shied away from the challenge, but he just wasn't comfortable taking on some of those same challenges now that he is in the NBA. And I think you've just seen him blossom and grow throughout his basketball career. And that's really cool because there are a lot of guys who, even though they get better, there are certain aspects of them that never really develop or they never really grow out of, and they kind of frustrate you over their careers because if they could have just figured that one thing out, they could have done so much more. Um, I think Quentin Grimes is a case of a guy who by the end of his career, you'll look back and say, yeah, he got to like 99% of his potential. Like he kept growing, he kept developing and he took it really seriously. Um, and, and he really made an effort to improve in the areas that were his deficiencies.
0: And man, that was, I'm sure you saw some of it. That was what was so rewarding for me about watching him in Vegas this year. And I mean, give all, we've talked about a lot on this podcast, give all the credit in the world to the Knicks coaching staff who two summer leagues in a row now have just encouraged guys to say, Hey, this is, this is sort of the window for you to show out and be the star. Like, go, go do it. Don't, don't be the guy that you're going to be on our team. Like go show us everything you can do and prove to us that you deserve the ball more and you deserve more shots. Uh, whether it's in New York or Utah, like you you deserve to be a guy um and Quentin has absolutely done that and it's it's gotten to the point now where Knicks fans are like yeah do we really want to give this dude up in a Donovan Mitchell trade and I'm sure if it if it comes down to Grimes and the right number of picks they they ultimately will but yeah. man from what we've seen from him I would I would love 10 to I I've, I've this is another thing I've said in the podcast a million times I'd be shocked if he doesn't play 12 years in the NBA and that's that's not a given, right? That's maybe what ten to fifteen percent of guys who enter the league last that long. It's 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 a testament to what he's turned his skill set into. And that that is as a baseline, an elite shooter. And that, that's where I wanted to go next, Scott. Because um, you, mm-hmm. you talk about in the article, how um, when he was a kid, he wanted, wanted to shoot like Steph Curry, and his dad was just sort of like, you're not Steph Curry. What, what was that process like <laughs> from what you gauged about how he he changed his jump shot and, and has what I would say is, is one of the most, you use the word picturesque, I, I'd agree with it, one of the most picturesque mm-hmm. jumpers on planet Earth.
1: Yeah, I mean, that—that that is the story, right? He was shooting and he would use both hands and his dad was like, yeah, Quentin, you're not Steph, so you're going to have to learn to shoot the right way. And, you know, like a lot of things, I think having parents who kind of knew what they were doing in the basketball world really helped him because they made sure he was getting the instruction and he was, he was putting his shot together. And, you know, at Kansas, he didn't shoot well at all. Um, he had times where he did shoot well, but uh, f- throughout the season, I think he was close to like... This is off memory, like 31 percent from three or something like that. But then you look at where he was and, you know, keeping that same shot, maybe making some tweaks to it. But his last year at Houston, um, I remember I think he had he took more threes and made a better percentage than Devontae Graham, who's like one of the most prolific three point shooters in Kansas history who carried them or helped them get to a final four. And Grimes did that same thing to help get Houston to a Final Four, and it it was a little bit different because it's less, you know, off the bound, shake and bake kind of stuff. But he's turned into a very, very good three point shooter, and I think again, um, when you combine his form with growing confidence, um, there there's no reason why he shouldn't be because he elevates. First of all, he has good size for a guard. You know, maybe not elite NBA guard size given how big some of the you know, ball handling gar- guards are in the league now, and you know, wings and forwards who come down and play guard. But um, at six five, with how he releases the ball up over his head, how he replicates his form, um, and does the same thing every time, there's no reason why he shouldn't be a 40 plus percent three point shooter for a long time. And so, once that part of his game started clicking, then it's just about you know, can you get him to to make those hustle plays and be aggressive in the other areas because. If you can hit threes like that, you can stay around the league for a long, long time.
0: And I think we're Knicks fans where the mind always goes when you, when you've been a, let's, let's face a struggling franchise over the last <laughs> 20 years, how good can this dude ultimately be? And we, we talked about, we, we've seen those flashes at summer league. You, you look at the, the finishing numbers, especially through contact. They are very, very good. Uh, the three point shooting, the volume and accuracy uh, elite for a younger guy in the NBA. Um, His trainer has described like the the ultimate goal as being something like Klay Thompson. He's he's not as big as Klay Thompson and Clay Thompson is probably the second best shooter, maybe the third best shooter of all time. So lofty, lofty stuff. But do you see a world where this guy is eventually like a 20 point scorer, borderline all-star? Or do you think he tops out as sort of the best version of what he currently is, which I would argue is pretty darn good, which is one of the elite three and D2 guards in the NBA, and maybe someone who can be on the floor uh, for 30 plus minutes in an NBA finals, which again, 25th pick in the draft, not too shabby.
1: Yeah. You know, something completely changed my perspective about NBA personnel. And I think it, I'm pretty sure it was Seth Partno, his book. um, I say, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he was the author, but basically it was about like analytics and basketball's development. um, And I want to, make sure I plug that even if I get the author wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, What stuck with me and the very memorable thing, as I forget the author, is um, (laughs) the difference between 82 game players and 16 game players. And it's totally shaped and changed how I view basketball. And like, I'll, I'll give one example of JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee is an 82 game player. He can play in the regular season for the Suns. When DeAndre Aiden was out, he stepped in and Phoenix kept winning games because he's a regular season player. And then when the playoffs started, he was unplayable. Dallas played him off the court. He was awful to have in the game, and it's not his fault. He is who he is. There are some guys who are really good in the regular season who can be great in the regular season. Rudy Gobert, um, you know, he's kind of been an example of this. We'll see what it looks like in Minnesota now if that fit is different, where 82 games, he is the one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the league. He makes a huge difference on the game. And then it gets to the playoffs where all of a sudden your relative strength, your guy that you would say, yeah, he's in the top 5% of the league at his position or the top 10%. Well, who's he playing in the playoffs? He's playing the other guys who are in the top 5 or the top 10%. Um, so that, that has all shaped my basketball philosophy to say, I believe Quentin Grimes can be a 16-game player. Um, and the 16 meaning the, the 16 games you have to win to win an NBA championship. I think he's good enough to hang on the court in a playoff series now. And I think his potential is to be a very good 16 game player who can complement other stars, who can space the floor, who can, you know, have that three point shooting threat to open up driving lanes, who can be a secondary ball handler, maybe tertiary um, when you need him to or, you know, kind of take over. Jalen Brunson was really good at that in the playoffs this year. Right. So it didn't have to be all of Luka and even for part, you know, part of the the playoffs when Luka was even out. So um, I think he has that potential to affect playoff series. I don't know. You know, Honestly, Knicks fans would probably know better uh, than me about what his potential is, star potential, you know, potential milestones, statistics, all that stuff. But I see him as a guy who can hang. And I think that's really important because there are a lot of guys in the NBA who are 82 game players, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when you get to the playoffs, those 16 game players are so much more valuable. They end up making a lot more money and there's a reason why those same guys, like if you've ever wondered, like, why does Jay Crowder keep getting NBA contracts when there might be a bunch of other three and D wings? Well, look, he's a guy who's proven he can be a 16 game guy. And I, th- I think Quentin Grimes falls into that category too. So that's how I'd kind of put his potential as a guy who has the chance to um, at times take over a game with his shooting or make a, you know, swing a game with his offensive ability, but he stays on the court in the biggest games and and you really can't put a price on that
0: he is an elite 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 role player it's something we've talked about a little bit on this pod the the only thing in in the world you you would add there is if he could be three inches taller and have three inch longer (laughs) arms there there he would he would would genuinely be borderline untradeable for the new york knicks as things stand we're we're not sure where he'll end up but i'll I'll say this much i've said this much i'll continue to say this much if the knicks go and get donovan mitchell you want Quentin grimes on that team scott chasen thank you so much dude this is a, a genuine pleasure Um, Can you tell everyone one final time where they can find all your work?
1: Yeah, well, if you happen to be local to the kind of Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas City, Topeka-ish area, I host the Drive. Um, it's a show that covers Kansas and Kansas State, other area college athletics. It's on uh, the local CBS affiliate, um, and I also uh, do some work for the KC Sports Network covering Kansas football, actually for them. So a little bit different than the Knicks, although um, you could make the argument that Kansas football has kind of been the Knicks of college football Ouch. since, oh. last, <laughs> since oh. the run of the Orange Bowl. They used it's to too be harsh, really, really Scott. good. Too hard. sorry, I'm sorry I'm so sorry um, but I am a suns fan so I had to get in some kind of a dig but uh, no you can uh, follow along too at Jason Scott on Twitter. I do tweet about the NBA a lot uh, mostly because it is my favorite sport.
0: I like to think there's a Knicks-Suns alliance. This might have been a a setback to that, but you know what, Scott, we'll we'll, we'll work on repairing that uh, next time (laughs) you come on. But uh, thanks so much, and uh, thank you so much to everyone who listened. Uh, We'll be back the rest of the week. Not sure how many episodes yet, three, four, five. You'll have to tune in to see, but until next time, be good. Uh, Continue to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.